Well, good morning. I was glad to see you uh, here today, and um, it is my desire that during this busy Christmas season, we might be able to just slow down a bit and focus on 2020 and think through how we might pray better in 2020, how we might pray well. So please open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. It's in the New Testament, and it follows the book of Ephesians. And we're going to be looking at uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11 today. If you're using the Pew Bible, it can be found on page 1247. So this is Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning with glad hearts. You are the great God who has redeemed us and set our feet on solid ground. You have loved us and given us the great privilege of being partakers in the gospel. And it is our longing that you might encourage us and strengthen us for that task. So come, Holy Spirit, make the word come alive in our hearts. Give us attentive ears and willing hearts to act on the truths that you are about to show us. We would ask that the, the name of Jesus be glorified among us today. Amen. Well, one of the hardest things to start up and maintain in the Christian life is a healthy prayer life. And when you stop to think about it, it's, it's often unclear why our prayer life is so poor or even what to do about it. And if you were going to make a few changes or just even one change in 2020, what would that be? What, what would you actually do? What would you concentrate on? Well, a few things might come to mind, like, you know, I need to set aside the time. I, I, I need to schedule it in. I need to get up earlier. Or, you know, I need to read a book on prayer. You know, I think if I knew more about prayer, I would probably pray better. I would probably pray more consistently. Well, those ideas are good, and they're part of a list that will help us move in the right direction. But if you were going to improve your prayer life, if you were going to work on one thing, wouldn't you want to be sure that that one thing was among the several things at the top of the list? Wouldn't you want to be sure that that one thing is an essential? 
Well, the passage that we're looking at today, the Apostle Paul gives us one thing to work on, one thing that will really help us. And what he tells us rises to the top of that list, and it's this. If you want to pray well, you must fall in love with the church. If you want to pray well, you must fall in love with the church. In the first 11 verses of the book of Philippians, we're given this little window into Paul's personal prayers. And what a treasure it is, because it's in this little glimpse or this little insight that we are shown how the love, how love for the church sets prayer in motion. Love for the church impels prayer. Love for the church launches prayer. And when we peer into Paul's heart, we can see this. His, his prayers are triggered by his affections for the church. When he remembers the church, what happens? He prays. He's, he's compelled to call to God in thanksgiving and praise. In verse 3, he, sa- he states, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. When I remember you, Paul says, I pray. And he, 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 when he prays, it happens because the church is the joy of his heart. Every time he, he prays, he says, it is with joy. And Paul's prayer life is centrally located in this statement. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. He holds the church in his heart. He loves her. He has an affection for her. And he's explicitly saying that his prayer life flows out of holding the church in his heart. And for Paul, this is, this is such a weighty matter that he even calls on God to testify. He says, God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. God is Paul's witness because out of love he has been coming to God in prayer for the Philippians. What will ignite your prayer life? What will sustain your prayer life? Yearning for the church with the affection of Christ Jesus. If you are going to pray well, you must fall in love with the church. And when we take a a little closer look here, we see that this this love arises out of a deep bond that Paul has with the church. His his affectionate prayers stem out of something much more substantial than mere emotional attachment. His His prayers arise because he and they are together partakers in the gospel. They are are partakers of grace, that's what it says in verse 7. And it's this gospel that is the foundation of his prayers of love. Paul Paul is thoroughly convinced that he is united with the Philippian church. He knows it, he experiences it, and all of it culminates in prayers of praise. He he turns to God and says, I thank my God because of your partnership in the gospel. He knows his bond with him. Now, Now, does that not resonate with you? Think of those you are most closely tied with. Is it not easy to pray for those that you love? Think of that younger sibling you watch over and protect. Think of those you love. Think think of those you love like a close friend. Or think of those that you have the closest bonds with. A spouse. A child. Maybe you've adopted a child. A parent or grandparent. If you truly love them, when you talk about them, does not... Praise and thanksgiving come off your lips naturally? Do you not easily give thanks for them? 
when they are in need or ill, are you not driven to call out to God on their behalf? Well, that's what's happening with Paul here. Love for the church, grounded in their mutual bond in the gospel, propels his prayers. And Paul's actually going to show us that this is, the, this is truly the deepest bond that people can have. We have bonds, but this is truly the deepest. And because it's the deepest bond, it elicits all kinds of love that elicits all kinds of prayer. Why is it the deepest bond? Why, why is the gospel such a deep bond? Well, Paul sees his very life intertwined with and coupled with in, and inseparably integrated into the lives of the people in the Philippian church. And that is because when Paul talks about his own life, it's clear that he has mapped his own story onto that grand story of redemption found in the Bible, that God in history is saving a people and uniting a people for himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And in the book of Acts in chapter 9, Luke gives us this marvelous account when, when Paul's approaching Damascus and he meets Christ and becomes a follower of Christ. Well, that was his first day in the, in the gospel. That was his first day in the Lord, so to speak. And later, when, when Paul recounts that story in the book of Galatians, it's, it's now his story. It's now his story. But he also knows that it's the story of the Philippian church that they have had their lives mapped onto that story as well. Look again at verse 3. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying that just as he had a first day, they had a first day, a first day when their story became enmeshed in the grand story of redemption. And there is a now day and there will be a future day, the day of Christ Jesus. This is now their story. And this is now their story together. The Philippian church and Paul together are advancing the gospel in this deep bond. But it's also our story. Our lives have been inseparably intertwined. Our stories have merged. And this is why, in the richest sense, we can call each other brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. This is why the Bible uses familial language. We have the deepest bond. We are partners together in the gospel. And because we have the deepest bond, it elicits all kinds of love that elicits all kinds of prayer. If you are going to pray well, you must fall in love with the church grounded in this bond. And that bond is so strong that it's not only there in the good times, but it's in the most difficult experiences of our lives. Look at the end of verse 7. Paul says to the Philippian church, For you are all partakers of me of grace. So we're, we're in this together, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. This bond is, is not there just in the gospel proclamation, but it's there in the inevitable persecution that comes along with the word. We are thick and thin brothers and sisters. In the book of Ephesians, Paul, Paul drives this bond concept home 
Paul says that you together with your brothers and sisters were reconciled to God in Christ through the cross as one body and therefore killed all the hostility between you all. A peace occurred on a vertical level when God reconciled you to himself through Christ. But simultaneously, that brought a horizontal peace. In, in reality, there is no more hostility between you. None. And when you go back to the book of Philippians, Paul is an example to this of us for, uh, for us here. We see that Paul is not withholding his love from anyone, and therefore his prayers are not withheld. He shows no partiality in his love. His, his affection is for the whole church. Look at verse 1. Who does he pray for? He has in mind all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Think of everyone in our church family. This should be us. Paul prays for the saints together with the overseers and deacons. He loves the church. He loves its leaders. It's the whole church he has a bond with. They're united and they're bonded together. They're one. If you are going to pray well, you must fall in love with the church, grounded in that bond. And we can see why Paul's prayers are so joyful. We can see why it's not a burden for him to pray. It's not troublesome. For Paul, prayer is not just like a mere duty. It's, it's a, the expression of the, the very longings and love of his heart. He loves to pray for the church. It's a joy for him. It's, it flows out of his partnership in the gospel with them. We also need to see how this works out in the content of our prayers. What was Paul asking God to do among the Philippian church? Well, we'll look again at verse 9. He says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. That your, your love may abound more and more. Do you see what Paul is doing here? The essential attitude or posture in his prayers, which is love, that's what he's praying for in others. He says, my prayers are driven by my love for you, and I'm going to pray that your lives would be also driven by that same love, and that that love would grow and increase. And so love is not just the motive of our prayers, it's the content of our prayers. It's what we pray for for others. It's that others would fall in love with the church and pray well. Well, what does this all mean for your prayers in 2020? Well, we can see that something much more foundational, something much more substantial has to happen than scheduling in time or reading a book. The evidence in these verses leads us to say that our prayers are grounded in our partnership in the gospel. Your prayers are grounded in the partnership in the gospel. And so we have this marvelous bond together out of which our prayer life is established. And that means you have work to do. And that means you have work to do for a healthy prayer life. Partnered together means that you have partnered together to do a job. Engaging and evangelizing and establishing and equipping people. That's your job. That's the way people are led to see the glory and the beauty and the majesty of God. That's, that's the way we lead people to worship. That's the way people are, are led to find the deepest joy in their lives, God. You see, it's through enacting and our partnership together in the gospel 
making it real, actually doing it, that the love between us will grow firm and unshakable. And our prayers will begin to flourish. Our prayer life will become healthy. We will be praying for each other as we are engaging people and evangelizing people and establishing people and equipping people. That's where our prayer life becomes real. Our stories are enmeshed in this one grand story that God is saving a people for himself and uniting a people to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And we are in that story together with a job to do. So you're a stay-at-home mom, and you sacrifice some time and invite the woman next door over for coffee. You want to care for her and talk to her about Christ. Well, we will be praying for you because of our partnership in the gospel. We love you, we love her, and our love together is going to grow in all of that. You see, that, that event sparks prayers of love. It, it necessitates prayer. And you see, this is, this is also why those of you who are equipped to serve must serve. Think of this. God has been strengthening you, and you are now equipped to serve. You are, you are not like the, the recipients of the book of Hebrews who should have been teachers by now. You're ready to go. You're ready to approach someone and ask them if they'd be willing to study the Bible with you together with you in, in 2020. Well, who would that be? Who would that be for you? You sit down with them. They pray for you. You pray for them. And we pray for both of you. And the bond between us grows and prayers flourish. Your heart rightly understands when it says, I need to pray well. When you leave here, you need to go and pray well. But you must go from here with the understanding that the strength and the vitality, the very life of prayer is the love that Christ Jesus has for his church. Sincere prayer is the expression of the heart's passions and longings and desires. And when, when Paul prays, it's, it's with the affection that Christ Jesus has for the church. Those in the church and those that he has called that, is not, that are not yet in the church. Christ loves his church. Paul loves the church. And if you are going to pray well, you must fall in love with the church. But note this again, it, that prayer and that love arise out of the midst of our enacting and living out our partnership together in the gospel. So in 2020, live out your partnership together in the gospel fall in love with the church, and pray well. Let's pray. Father, this is our prayer, that your love, that our love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that we may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen.